0: The legacy of Charity's children, out of the smoke and ashes. The founding of the Mother Church. The aftermath of the 1841 attacks on Dayton's Africa Town accomplished its intended goal. The town's black residents justifiably feared their safety. Some left the city as soon as they could, others stunned, traumatized, needed time to assess, regain resources, and they left later. Yet, through it all, they worshipped. The First Wesleyan Methodist Church is the mother church of Dayton, Ohio's black churches. It was officially founded in March of 1842, but its origins began even before when the United Daughters of Zion were among worshippers in a humble lean-to shack on Washington Street. In the aftermath of the attacks, a group of brave black citizens with a few sympathetic white abolitionists gathered in the battered structure to reclaim their city. They inhaled ashes of hate and insecurity, trying to reinforce a place of worship where two or more were gathered. They formed alliances, sharing resources to assist and shelter the assaulted. Charity hoped to rebuild, define the mobocracy. She was active in community efforts to nurse, gather, and distribute supplies to the suffering, networking with those who prepared to leave town. Everybody, feeling the heart ripping reality that comes when ties that bind may be forever broken. Throughout the 1830s, there were 18 pro slavery mob attacks in Ohio the first free state. John's brothers left relatively soon. Having been victimized by Dayton attacks in 1837 and having experienced, survived days of furor in January and February of 1841, we are told that Abraham and Asen took their families to Canada to establish a safer life. Jacob, we believe, followed soon after. The Brody Barbershop, as promised, was left untouched that night. But not John. It touched the depths of his soul. Lord, I want Jesus. Left behind, Isaac and John. Isaac, ready to fight. John, vulnerable, without all of the brothers who collectively worked to help each other thrive. Left behind in a cauldron, a big cast iron pot simmering, churning, often boiling over. Circumstances. The mindset was different for Charity deep roots bound her to the town that betrayed its colored citizens. John Isaac Davis arrived with his infant daughter in the emerging city of Dayton, Ohio, between 1802 and 1803, just seven or so years after indigenous Americans were forced out and the territory was established as the first free state in the American experiment. Just after, the first log was cut to forge a settlement in the river-ribboned land. Along the confluence of the Mad, Stillwater, and Great Miami Rivers, Charity Davis grew up with the city of Dayton. She was the child bride of Randolph Caesar, who had children as old as she, while she mothered the Caesar children and many others, we can confirm that together they had one child born between 1826 and 1830, Charles Randall Caesar, the noted ice skater of his day. Randolph and Charity were formally married in 1827, perhaps to ensure widow's benefits because of his impending death. Her family grew in her second marriage to John Brodie. We can account for two daughters that were born by the 1840s, six-year-old Julia and two-year-old Harriet. Young Charles Caesar would have been about 13 around that time. Ties that bind. We are also researching the likely family link between Charity and the Davises, James and Joseph. The Brodie and Davis's three homesteads were adjacent for many years, an asset in their Underground Railroad efforts. Reasons why. Charity was committed to rebuilding and she wanted John Brodie by her side, the man she was contracted to marry, yet grew to love. But reclamation was slow. White abolitionists and organizers of an anti-slavery society, Luther Bruin and Dr. Hibbert Jewett, were among those to provide aid. And there were other white citizens in the winter of 1841 who acknowledged that survivors of the mob attack were brutalized and dying from exposure. But could these few voices of change penetrate the otherwise unremorseful, complicit silence that echoed through the hollow hearted town? And was it simply the community of family and friends that compelled charity's need to stay? We find an additional motivation late in the autumn of 1840 right before the attack on Africa town a group of women made a commitment to the spiritual development of their community the commitment to establish the mother church and it seemed all the more essential after the attack we will say the names to raise the spirits of each trustee of the United Daughters of Zion. Mrs. Harriet E. Wade, Mrs. Elizabeth Jackson, Mrs. Maria Robinson, Mrs. Peggy Anderson, and Mrs. Charity Davis Caesar Brody. Throughout the 1830s, these women gathered their families in the elements of Four Seasons and worshipped in that shack on Washington Street. Families of feet stood on dusty, muddy boards and rose to sing his praise. Bottoms were sometimes splintered as children squirmed on worn-out timber planks. Still praises were raised in the sunshine and the shadows. Hearts set afire by the spirit, motivated by the word. Absorb the timeline here. Two, three short months before the January and February attacks of 1841. With the help of Luther Bruin, brave black women in November of 1840 bought land on South Short Wilkinson Street to build a church Industrious black women, each pledged 50 cents a week to pay the mortgage and charity, was determined to see it through, to unquestionably honor her commitment to move the humble, lean-to place of worship to a secure house of praise. Catapulted by the attack on Africa Town, 13 months later, in June 1842, A small brick church was built on South Short Wilkinson Street to become the First Wesleyan Methodist Church of Dayton, Ohio, led by the Reverend Shadrach Green of Kentucky. First Wesleyan became the epicenter of community reform. It was the place where, in 1849, James Davis formed the American Sons of Protection. This organization, with First Wesleyan members, provided aid to black residents who continued to struggle to rebuild homes and livelihoods years after the devastating 1841 attacks. The American Sons of Protection partnered with white abolitionists to aid those fleeing slavery. Their community advocacy continued even after emancipation, through reconstruction, even assisting citizens displaced by Dayton's 1898 flood. This activism in later years became the prelude to the Dayton Red Cross, a template because of disaster support provided in the wake of the mob attacks, food and covert safe passage provided to the fleeing enslaved, and because of community support that extended through the church for decades to come. First Wesleyan provided the first school in Dayton for black children. James Wheeler authored the 50-year history of the church. He writes, The day school teachers were Miss Mary West, Miss Mamie Walker, Mr. Simon Peters, and Mr. Solomon Day." Charity and other old mothers and fathers seized the opportunity to learn to read and write as best they could. The church quickly grew in size and influence. Abolitionists from various congregations throughout town joined First Wesleyan. Wheeler noted, The pro-slavery element was amazed and called the mixed congregation the Amalgamated Abolitionist Church. The small frame church built in 1842 was quickly outgrown and a new building designed by black architect Charles Russell was constructed in 1854 on the same lot. The mortgage, despite dubious distraction, was paid in full by July of that same year and the deed? Gifted to the first Wesleyan Methodist Church of Dayton, Ohio by the United Daughters of Zion. Dedicated black women each gave 50 sometimes $0.75 a week and paid that debt by taking in laundry and doing extra work in the homes of whites they should barely trust. Charity was a washerwoman. Irons, the cast-iron tools of her profession, are proudly among our family's prized possessions julia galloway higgins the great granddaughter of charity writes out of the smoke and ashes of this mob-torn town the first wesleyan church was built here we find the name of aunt charity with the rest of the founders the ground upon which the church was built was donated by the now extinct united daughters of zion here again, we find the name Charity Brodie as one of the trustees among the rest. Brave, industrious, dedicated, fierce black women. We are the legacy of Charity's children. Like flowers rising from the bubble, we were born to rise above the struggle. With our ancestors' wildest dreams, the descendants of kings and queens. in 1842 out of the smoke and ashes. Congratulations to First Wesleyan Church of Dayton, Ohio on 181 consecutive years of Christian and community service. Hi, I'm Patricia Smith Griffin, founder of the Charities Children Project and executive producer of the podcast series, The Legacy of Charities Children. Saturday, March 25th at 1 p.m., the National Afro-American Museum and Cultural Center in Wilberforce, Ohio, will host the Charities Children Project and an interactive talk show with authors and historians. Discover and uncover your legacy. I'll be on hand to moderate. Our special guests include Dr. Holly McGee of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dr. McGee specializes in U.S. and African-American history, emphasizing black women's activists and intellectual history. Currently, Dr. McGee teaches undergraduate courses in black history in film, culture and counterculture, and African-American history in early and colonial America. Dr. Sharon Lynette Jones, professor of English at Wright State University and editor of Conversations with Angela Davis. Dr. Jones has engaged in archival research in the U.S. and in Canada. We'll explore community archiving and the importance of preserving vanishing perspectives in black and women's histories. Also at this March 25th event, we are proud to announce that Julia Galloway Higgins will be added and unveiled as part of the Queens of the Heartland exhibit at the National Afro-American Museum and Cultural Center. To complement, the Legacy of Charity's Children will present the Julia G. Higgins Historic Marker Dedication Exhibit. This pictorial exhibit highlights the Higgins Legacy. For information and registration on this interactive experience with authors and historians, go to CharitiesChildren.org. We are often asked how we've maintained our family history for these 220-plus years and counting. Saturday, March 25th at 1 p.m. at the National Afro-American Museum and Cultural Center in Wilberforce, Ohio, we'll show you and tell you how you can do this with your family, too. And we'd love to see you there. The Legacy of Charities Children is a production of the Legacy of Charities Children, LLC. All copyrights reserved. Reproduction and redistribution of the Legacy of Charities Children podcast without express written consent is prohibited. Charity's Children is a trademark of the Legacy of Charity's Children, LLC. Original scores by music director and engineer, Jared Griffin. Producers, Tamara Calvert and Jared Griffin. Project historian and researcher, Sherry Gowdy. Oral history consultant, Carolyn Lander. Marketing and publicity, Lacris Brody Robinson-Jordan. Additional voices provided by... Elliot Imani and Daryl Griffin, with Janetta Smith Lang as Julia Galloway Higgins and Charlest Moore Sweet as Charity Davis Caesar Brody. These stories are derived from family oral and written histories and confirmed by historical records. I am Patricia Smith Griffin, the fourth great granddaughter of Charity Davis Caesar Brody, creator, writer, and executive producer. We are proud to share with you the legacy of Charity's children and hope that you are inspired to research and tell your black family story because there is value and there is validation in every family story.